we're reading this morning comes from Khalil Gibran, the Lebanese-American early 20th century poet and religious philosopher. His poem, On Religion, gives us a glimpse at how the natural world might give us a blueprint for a community that nurtures beauty, that recognizes the importance of harmony. He writes, An old priest said, speak to us of religion. And he said, have I spoken this day of aught else? Is not religion all deeds and all reflection? And that which is neither deed nor reflection, but a wonder and a surprise ever springing in the soul. Even while the hand hewed the stone, the stone or tend the loom, who can separate his faith from his actions or his belief from his occupations? Who can spread his hours before him saying, this is for God and this is for myself, this for my soul and this other for my body? All your hours are wings that beat through space from self to self. He who wears his morality but as his best garment were better naked. The wind and the sun will tear no holes in his skin, and he who defines his conduct by ethics imprisons his songbird in a cage. The freest song comes not through bars and wires, and he to whom worshiping is a window to open, but also to shut, has not yet visited the house of his soul, whose windows are from dawn to dawn. Your daily life is your temple and your religion. Whenever you enter into it, take with you your all. Take the plow and the, and the forge and the mallet and the lute, the things you have fashioned in necessity, or for delight. For in reverie you cannot rise above your achievements, nor fall lower than your failures. And take with you all people. For in adoration you cannot fly higher than their hopes, nor humble yourself lower than their despair. And if you would know God, be not therefore a solver of riddles. Rather, look about you, and you shall see God playing with your children. And look into space, and you shall see God walking in the cloud, outstretching God's arms in the lightning and descending in the rain. You shall see God smiling in flowers, then rising and waving God's hands in trees. May it be so. So I have been spending a lot of these last few months and really last couple years uh, on my small fenced concrete patio, tending to my growing assortment of plants. Maybe some of you have done the same. I live in a small one-bedroom apartment near downtown LA, and this tiny patio and these small plants 
have given me such a sense of purpose. We've got some succulents, a flowering bush, an aloe plant, and even a young potted lemon tree. It has borne one lemon so far in its three years of life. And these daily acts of care for these little green things, some prickly, some fuzzy, some colorful, some dull, has become an important spiritual practice amid all of the change, the grief, and the anger. And our reading from Khalil Gibran today teaches us that God, that spirit, that connectedness, reside in these everyday practices our interconnectedness, our harmonious relationship to the world around us is far more expansive and bright than we could ever truly imagine. And I think it's all too easy to forget that in our day-to-day. As Gibran writes, your daily life is your temple and your religion. Whenever you enter into it, take with you your all. He encourages us to remember that the ripples of spirit are all around us, saying, look about you, and you shall see God playing with your children. And look into space, and you shall see God walking in the clouds, outstretching arms in the lightning and descending in rain. You shall see God smiling in flowers, then rising and waving God's hands in trees. The natural world has a lot to teach us about nurturing beauty, about harmony and relationship, if we're willing to see it. And aren't we in an important time to reset and to rewrite what it means to be in relationship with one another? My understanding of harmony took a turn a couple of years ago as I learned through experience just how radical and challenging this concept can be, and how needed it is in this moment in our communities, in our country, in our world. And yes, I learned about radical harmony through the dirt, through the plants in our yards. You see, I learned that in some biospheres, the plant life exists as a collective. When one species or section of species has an overabundance of resources, And it notices that another has too little. That group of flowers or trees or grass, whatever it may be, will share that overabundance through its roots. Can you believe that? Maybe some of you here are scientists or environmentalists or are master gardeners and thinking, well, yeah, duh, thank you, Liz. Something we knew. Uh, And I know, it does sound so unbelievably simple, but I'm asking you to stick with me for just a second here. This flower has the ability to recognize it has more than enough. And it has the ability to share that resource with its neighbor, who might be 10 feet taller, or 20 shades greener, or much pricklier in texture. And it does it. It does it. It shares with other beings different from itself and its species merely because it can. No questions asked, no strings attached. And I think there is something prophetic about that, something sacred. 
And it's such a needed reminder during this time when our lives truly depend on trusting one another. When any illusion of rugged individualism has come crashing down. When we are all giving up certain comforts, certain privileges for the benefit of the rest. When we pull back from some of the things we've been taught to expect in the world, whether that that is we are alone, that we're not good enough, that asking for help is shameful, we might just be surprised by what we find. When we trust in the world around us, when we trust in drawing the circle wider, we might just find a sense of connectedness, of spiritual calm, of centeredness. And our seventh Unitarian Universalist principle calls us to respect the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. It's a recognition of that great love that holds us all in life, human and plant alike. And aren't we in a time when we could use a little more beauty, a little more harmony? In thinking about nurturing relationship this week, I recalled a time when I was able to really feel that principle playing out in my life, when I was able to allow creation, the natural world, to share its overabundance with me when I most needed it. As a kid growing up in western Pennsylvania, my grandmother would pay me a nickel for every weed I pulled in her garden. In the summer heat, I would mountaineer my way up her steep, sloping garden, her leather gloves falling off my small hands, her weed digger resting tightly in my right and her knee rest in my left. And I tore her garden up, digging each weed out with heaps of fertile soil along with it. <laughs> my best haul probably amounted to $3 but I never left with fewer than 10. She would be pretend to be doing other chores while I worked hard. And those chores mostly pertain to just so happening to make some lemonade and quietly following my steps, pulling the little weeds I had overlooked. But every time I finished, I knew there was a good job, Lizzie, a glass of lemonade and a strong pat on the shoulder awaiting my pitiful bounty. She probably knew that her green thumb jean had passed right over me, but she never once let on. And she always had a good excuse to finish up early. She would say, it's too hot out here. Why don't you come help me with the border of this puzzle? I think you've got them all. I cannot believe it. Those were good summers. And in time, I grew up, and my grandmother's garden no longer required my services. By my mid-twenties, I had moved away, I had started a career, and my grandmother eventually fell ill and passed away, the beloved matriarch of our family. The winter after she died, I visited her grave for the first time. And all I could bear to do was sit under the big pine tree that set roots right next to her headstone. I realized it was only fitting for her to have this small piece of nature with her always. The weeds poking through the snow, the roots deepening around her. She would have liked it that way.
And not long after that winter, I was taking a walk with my roommate's dog around my neighborhood. I was aimless and grieving, thinking about those summers weeding in my grandmother's garden. And as the dog paused to smell the flowers, a butterfly flew out of the bush and over to me and landed on my left shoulder just next to my ear. Together, this tiger-colored insect and I stood for a moment or two, transfixed, not moving an inch. And on that summer day, I just knew it was another one of my grandmother's pats on the shoulder. I could feel it. It was as if this insect was whispering to me, it's too hot out here. Why don't you come help me with the border of this puzzle? I think you've got them all. I just can't believe it. It flitted away eventually, off into the tall bushes standing next to me. They looked like they could use some tending too, and I would have offered, but I smiled knowing I had enough of my grandmother's nickels to last me a lifetime. And thinking about this moment now, I like to think about, I like to think that that butterfly was sharing with me, reminding me it's okay to grieve, it's okay to be sad but also that tomorrow will come. The sun will rise, and we can be grateful for that sun-like love and warmth that we've experienced. In fact, we can share it with one another when those around us most need it. When I needed it, this tiny insect gave me the gift of connection, of a divine recognition of our connectedness to all around us, but also to all those who've gone before us and how their love continues to shine on us. It's a gift we can share with one another. So my question to you all this morning is, how can you be like those flowers in your garden and the insects in your yard? Those flowers that share their overabundance without question, who take that little bit of help when they need it, without shame or embarrassment, We don't have to flatten our differences, the things that make us us, to live into the spirit of the collective. It'd be such a shame to scuttle or hide away the differences among us. I've got to think those are there for a reason. So can we recognize when our sense of difference is blotting out our chance to be grateful for what is and what can be around us? A chance to really feel in our bones that sense of interconnectedness, that ripple of the spirit. The sacred does not dwell only in the parts of us that are most acceptable or most beautiful or most intriguing. The sacred dwells in the totality of who we are and the totality of the natural world around us, including in the gardens in our backyards or like in my case, the jade plants on my patio that in recent weeks, I'm happy to announce, has taken a wonderful turn for the better. This work of harmony is anything but simple. It requires a recognition of the advantages and disadvantages each one of us has in life. It requires us to choose community over self. It requires so much love and patience. 
the movements of this moment are calling us into this. And this morning, I invite you to consider how you are responding to this call of radical harmony. So church, may we model the way creation recognizes that we are all connected by our roots on this planet. And those roots are made for connection, they're made for sharing, they're made for the collective that we embody. The ripples of the spirit connect us to the grand love that surrounds us and is within us always. May it be so, blessed be, and amen.